Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for tuning in to this, the eighth episode of Perception is Reality. I'm calling this episode Right is Right. Why am I calling it that? Because sometimes folks have a problem with citizens who are willing to speak out, who are willing to do what's needed to be done to make sure that the rule of law and normal common decency is being upheld. Sometimes people have problems with people who speak out They say that it's drawing too much negative attention or it causes a spotlight to shine on the area, causing negative light for the community or for those in the community. Or it might cost money. And all of that's true. I'm sorry, folks. I'm getting right into it because it's been a long week all throughout East Central Indiana, specifically at home in Winchester Definitely over in Muncie. It's just been a long week. It seems like we went straight through the primary election and we got right into just massive amounts of craziness going on almost everywhere. So, hello, let's try to take a deep breath and kind of unpack everything a little bit at a time as we go along. Thanks for tuning in. I want to thank you if you're listening to this on iTunes or you're listening to this on Google Podcast or Google Play or Spotify or iHeartRadio or SoundCloud or if you've clicked on Facebook and got the link to perception.fireside.fm. All of those work. Here's what I'm trying to do, folks. I'm trying to call a little bit more attention to this, the audio podcast, and I guess almost in a way, kind of phasing out the live videos. Yes, I'm going to continue doing the Facebook live version of Perception is Reality, but the whole goal is for the majority of the listeners to come here and listen to this show when I release new episodes on Tuesdays and Saturdays. And as you've seen this week, we released a bonus episode, which was actually out on Wednesday, and kind of start moving away from the Facebook Live videos. And, And here's the reason. The Facebook Live videos are great. It's where I've done the majority of my work for the past two years. And it's what's made all of this possible. But with live videos, there's just a little bit of constraint on what can be done. Like if we want to do an interview with somebody and I can't pull them up on Facebook Live and we have to utilize phone interviews, or if we have to do other things like going to their house or going someplace to meet somebody, I'm not able to do what I actually want to do to be able to produce a quality show. And of course, there are a whole host of other technological issues, which really just makes for a bad viewing experience. And let's be honest, yes, this is a political show, and no, I am not a journalist, nor do I know much about 
communication in that aspect. But over the course of the last couple years, we have increased the production value and I am getting people that watch. I'm starting to get more people that listen to this at perception.fireside.fm along with all the other hosting sites like SoundCloud and iHeartRadio and Spotify and iTunes and Google Podcasts. But I'm getting people to listen outside the area. So I've got to kind of start thinking about them as listeners and you all as listeners. And I want to be able to produce the most quality show possible, giving you the most amount of factual information and the best part of my opinion that I possibly can in the best package. So what does all that mean? It just simply means, yes, there are going to be Facebook Live videos. I will always do Facebook Live videos when I need to get information out to a large amount of people. If something's breaking, I'll always go live. I'll always do the council updates through Facebook videos, whether I'm talking about my hometown in Winchester or Muncie or Gaston or Richmond or Indianapolis or wherever I'm covering. I'll always do those videos like that, and I'll, I'll always do a couple videos a month, you know, maybe a video a week, but I want to really get into utilizing this perception.fireside.fm. Perception.fireside.fm. Please share this with your friends and family. They do not have to live in Winchester. They do not have to live in Muncie. They do not have to live in Indiana. Let's spread this message and make this as big as it can possibly be. And you are all a part of it. You're all a part of the show. I don't want to act like this is something where I'm just talking at you guys and I don't care what you have to say. I give out my phone number, my home cell phone number, for you to call me 24 hours a day. If you want to be a part of the show, if you want to do an interview, if you know somebody that should be a part of the show or would be good to interview, get me that information. If you know information behind the scenes and you don't want to release it but you think that it needs to be out, let me know that's what that's for. And you can do that by emailing me at khbilbury at gmail.com, by finding me on Facebook at Christopher H. Bilbury, or by calling or texting me at 765-546-9796. And so the focus is going to be perception.fireside.fm. Again, that's perception.fireside.fm. And that's what the focus is going to be. And so I'll thank you for helping to share that, share the message, And all you got to do is click on the link, and then you can go about your day listening in the car, listening on while you're on a trip, listening while you're in the shower, listening at work, and you can get a lot of other stuff done by being able to click on the link and put it in the background. You're still able to thumb through Facebook or play games or do your work or drive. You know, people listen to podcasts when they go on road trips. They're able to put the podcast on and play it through Bluetooth or however you access all of that. It's better than having to sit down and watch a live video. Yeah, during a live video, you see my ugly face, but this is the same material just without having to see my face. Perception. Perception. Perception is... Reality. Reality. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Today's show is going to be talking about doing the right thing is always right even when others don't want you to do it, don't think you should do it, or have some kind of other ill will bullshit about you doing it, or have some kind of moral superiority when it comes to you doing what you know or what a group of people know is right. So we're going to be right back after this short break and talk about how right is right. You're listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. 
Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Okay, folks. Right is right. What does that mean? Here is what I mean. Sometimes a person has to stand up and call bullshit when something is in the wrong. And this is what I mean. I'm going to give you several examples. And then we're going to talk about why it's important. So back during my fight with Sean Byram, the mayor of Winchester, who was a Democrat, and the city council, which is a five-member board, who all happened to be Republicans, so it shows that this wasn't a Republican versus Democrat fight. It was a Christopher Bilbury, citizen of Winchester, fighting a government made up of Republicans and Democrats who I felt were in the wrong at the time for various reasons, and I felt like nobody else was doing it. So I stood up to do what I felt was right. Okay, now the fight centered around a drug rehab facility that the city, primarily the mayor, was wanting to put in right next door to me and right next door to a lot of other neighbors in a fully residential neighborhood that also was a historic neighborhood. And the mayor was attempting to cram this down everybody's throats. He was attempting to bully over the council. He was having the council blindly follow him through this ordeal that he was doing. And the council was blindly following him for various reasons. And we're going to break this topic down over the next several years, I'm sure, because there was a lot that went into this battle. Keep in mind, the battle started in January of 2017 and is technically still going on. And there was a lot that has happened and there's a lot that's currently happening that might help other people in other communities when dealing with fighting their local government on something that might not actually be right for that community or when the government is acting in a way that's crossing the line or out of control, which is exactly what was happening in Winchester at the time. And even though the battle is still currently still kind of festering on, I feel like overall I won. I was right and I feel like I was proven right. Now I don't know where he feels like it all landed or I don't know what he thinks about it, but I feel like history will show that what I did was right and that kind of where we're at today with the podcast and people listening kind of goes to show that people bought into what I was saying and felt like, I tended to be more right than not, and it might be valuable to listen to what I'm saying. I feel like the council feels like I was right, or at least some of the council members now feel like I was right. One of the council members that was involved resigned, and this is why any of this is important. So there were a lot of facets to this, but one of the early things that went on was a newspaper article was released. And in the newspaper article, you have the mayor talking about how this is going to go in and it's a done deal and how wonderful everybody thinks it is and how the council thinks it's all wonderful. And you had a couple council members who had given quotes. Keep in mind, this was January 2017 and they were talking about how this place was going to be open in April. And here I am, somebody who had attended every council meeting for the last three and a half years and I hadn't heard a damn word about any of this. And so I'm thinking, wait a minute, how's this a done deal? The council's not even voted on this. The council's never talked about this. What are we talking about? So I started asking questions. I started talking to citizens. I started walking door to door. I started being vocal at council meetings. And the first thing that happened was everybody trashed me, said, 
what? How are you against a drug rehab? How are you against mothers and babies? What an evil person you are. Look at this mayor's trying to help citizens of Winchester. Look at how this person's trying to do good for the community. And here you are bitching about something being in your front yard. It's a case of not in my backyard. And I thought, wait a minute. That's not what I'm saying. Wait a minute. This is not helping citizens of Winchester. Wait a minute. This is costing lots of money that a private company could be doing, but yet Sean, the mayor of Winchester, is jamming this down our throats and wanting Winchester tax dollars to go to this. And furthermore, none of you people that are griping at me have attended any of the meetings and have not a damn clue what's going on. So let's back up and let's examine things. And people said what I was doing was wrong, but yet I knew what I was doing was right. So I kept on doing my thing. I kept on digging for information. I kept on requesting records. I kept researching and investigating and talking to people in Indianapolis and talking to council members and talking to people from the facility and talking to those from other treatment facilities and I slowly started building my case and I talked to more and more citizens and it was hard. The newspaper was calling me crazy and the council was calling me crazy and the mayor and their families and their friends were calling me crazy and people were blocking me online and people were posting nasty things about my family and it was insane because I was attending the meetings I knew what the council should and shouldn't be doing. I knew that there had never been a discussion of this, so I knew that there was nothing that was voted on and that somehow this was a problem. And then I got the loan application. The loan application that the mayor had turned in in order to get a loan that Winchester would be responsible for paying back, and that's what I was griping about. I wasn't griping about the fact that this was in my front yard. There were neighbors griping about that, and there were people who had legitimate concerns, like the 80-year-old woman who lives alone that was scared by this. That might not be a concern for me, but it's a legitimate concern for her. But my problems were the amount of tax dollars that the city of Winchester was planning to pay and the fact that this was not going to be treating citizens from Winchester, but rather all over Indiana, and now we're learning Ohio, and various other facts. But my biggest problem was they didn't follow the proper channels. So in getting the loan application through filing a records request, which is something that citizens should know how to do because public records are allowed to be viewed by citizens and a lot of times they won't have a problem, but sometimes they do. And for example, they did not want me to have this loan application and it was a fight to get it, but I eventually got it because I kept up and I knew that I was right and I was persistent and I got the loan application and that's where the problem for the city started. I had found that the mayor had signed off on the loan application and he did not have approval from the council to do so. And by state law, that was the improper way to do that. And he had lied about the fact that he had council approval. So then they started trying to play catch up and doing things. I found out that he had lied and said it wasn't a historic district, but it is. And I found out that he said that they had voted on an ordinance that they had not done this yet. At this time, in a Board of Zoning Appeals meeting, the prosecutor of the entire county, the lead law enforcement officer of the county, stood up and said that he felt that the mayor had committed fraud. And slowly, the tide started to change. Slowly, citizens started attending meetings, and it was me and three other people, and then it was us and five others. Now... We're up to 30, 40, 50, 55, 60 people attend meetings. 
Various meetings have standing room only, and now Winchester is involved in what goes on. Now, there's still a lot of work to do, and there's still a lot of bad people in charge of various areas. But the reason I'm talking about this now is because people have started to wake up. But at the time, I had people saying that I was causing too much drama, and that this wasn't a good thing, that I was causing too much turmoil, that I was causing a lot of bad negative press, and that I was causing a spotlight to be shining on the city, and that was causing problems. And that if I truly loved Winchester, I would stop, or I had people telling me I wasn't from Winchester, so I should go away, I should go back to where I came from, and all of that's bullshit. That's what people will do when they know you're right, and they know they are wrong. And so, basically, I had to look at why this was happening. And so I know that we've just glossed over a small portion of this, and please know, I will use this in many, many examples of how you as a citizen can overcome the wrong, the corrupt, the bad in your communities because there was a lot of it that went on, and I stood toe-to-toe the entire damn time. But... The reason I talk about this is when I was looking at why this was going on and why I was getting so much hate from the officials and their buddies, their support team, their campaign teams, their family and friends, the people that obviously want what they want, the reason that was happening primarily in the mayor's corner is he was using this as a stepping stone. He was a first-time mayor. He had never been mayor before, but he had also never been an elected official before. He had ran for office a couple times. He had ran for state representative and lost. Before that, he had ran for city council and lost. So when he ran and won in 2016, when he took office, he was a first-time candidate becoming a first-time mayor the highest seat in a city, as a new official having no experience. And he was attempting to use this to springboard him into higher office. And when I found that out, I knew I had to do what was right and stand toe-to-toe with these people, even if it meant getting some hate and some shit thrown my way. I knew that the right would prevail, but I had to stand strong. And so I slowly started building a team of citizens who were helping me, helping me out on the front lines, people who were helping me behind the scenes, people that knew what I was saying wasn't wrong because I had evidence and I believed in my convictions and I fought respectfully. Now, I was told that I attacked these people, and I was being mean, and we did a podcast about that, how calling out officials when you call them out for things that they do publicly and in their positions has not a damn thing to do with how nice they are, and that's why I talk about that. That's why all of this is a thing, because you are able to call them out on their record, how they vote, how they act, and how they behave as public officials, as elected officials. And so this first-time mayor was attempting to springboard, and he was doing all this crazy shit as mayor, and I knew I had to try and stop that. And so we were able to push back and give enough fight. I lost the battle of getting the rehab put in. The rehab put in, and it's doing damage to Winchester right now. Right now, as I'm taping this, it's doing damage, and the damage will be far-reaching. It'll continue doing damage, depending on how things happen in the next couple weeks and months to come, because we only have about eight more months of this mayor in office. But listen to what I'm getting ready to say now. This mayor has eight more months in office as mayor, and then on December 31st, 2019, he's leaving office, and he's going back to the private sector. That's right. I lost the battle of the rehab, but I kept it 
in focus enough and people saw that there was enough issue with it that when he ran for state representative only three years into his first term ever as an elected official mayor, he didn't apparently want to complete his first term because this was the plan all along. I was able to campaign against him and the citizens were able to see him for what he was and because myself and a few other citizens stood up and did what was right, even though it was hard, we were able to beat that crap down. We beat him. He was running against another first-time candidate for state representative, a Republican, and this mayor who thought he was just the second coming and thought that everybody loved him for this rehab, which in reality everyone saw as a complete turd, then that caused him to lose the election horribly. He lost control of himself because he got too big for his britches and it was his way or no way and he tried shutting the council down and he's bullying the council members and he's having me arrested for speaking out at a city council meeting and then he's running for state representative and he got beat so badly during that election he did not win one polling place in three counties. He was running for state representative in District 33, which is Randolph County, Jay County, and Delaware County, and he lost in every precinct in all three counties because I dared to stand up and do what was right. And it was a tough fight for nearly three years. It's still tough, but we won. And what happened a little bit more beyond that is the police chief that was involved with some of this stuff resigned. A fire chief resigned. A city council member who was instrumental in being the flop vote that allowed this to go through resigned early. And so that is a win. We may have lost the battle but we won the war. Now, the war still rages on, and there's more to change in affecting our, what I call, a broken local government, but it proves that you will have better government. You might not have completely 100% the best government you're ever going to have. That's never going to happen because people are involved. And people do things wrong and do things bad. But you're going to have better government through citizen involvement. And that's why I push that. And because of our involvement and because of us standing up and doing what was right, right is right, we were able to beat that down. Now, I know that I talked just briefly about the rehab fight, and I'm going to use various examples for the next many, many, many years to come, probably, because there is a wealth of knowledge in just that battle. Someday I might write a book about it, but I will use examples to be able to help you and others when it comes to working with your government, standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with them if they're out of control, or praising them when it's deserved. Okay. So, there's plenty of time to talk about my battle with Winchester over this rehab facility or various other disastrously planned projects that the mayor and or council at the time were trying to get done and get crammed down citizens' throats or ways that they handled things. But right now, we're trying to focus on showing citizens, showing you that right is right. Whether or not somebody says something else or calls you out or tries to make you feel bad, when you know you're right and you have proof that you're right and that there's something that needs to be done to make the situation correct, you need to know that it's okay for you to stand up for that, even if there aren't other people standing with you, you believe in yourself and you continue gathering evidence 
and you continue saying your case, and it will work out in your favor. Let's look at a couple other things outside of Winchester. So, for example, right now, going on just to the east of Winchester in Union City, we have a situation where we had two candidates running for City Council District 3 in Union City. We had Nate Conklin running against Ron Pruitt. Before the election, there were questions about whether or not Pruitt lived in District 3. So, in order to serve an elected position, whether it be mayor or council member or state representative, obviously there are boundaries of every one of those seats. If you're the mayor of Muncie, you have to live in Muncie. If you're District 4 city councilor of Richmond, you have to live in District 4. If you want to be state representative of District 33, you can't live in District 27. All of that makes sense. Well, in Union City, we had two gentlemen running for one seat, and one of them, Nate Conklin, lives in District 3, no question. However, there were plenty of questions, and rightfully so, about where Ron Pruitt lived. And here's what happened. Ron Pruitt won the election. He received four more votes than Conklin did. So he beat Conklin by four votes. That's not many. So that meant it was very contested. But here's the problem. If Pruitt can't legally serve as the District 3 Counselor for Union City because he doesn't meet the requirements, then it doesn't matter if he beat Conklin by a thousand votes or he beat Conklin by half a vote. If he doesn't meet the criteria, he can't serve. Why am I talking about this? Well, after the election, Conklin filed a complaint to contest the election results saying that the person who won the election cannot legally serve because he doesn't live in the district. Clear enough, you can look at a map, you can look at Pruitt's address, you can see where he lives, you can look at the map and the district breakdown of Union City, and you can clearly tell that where Pruitt lives does not fall in District 3. So Conklin filed this complaint, and now it's going before the judge of the circuit court in Randolph County on Tuesday, June 18th at 1.30 p.m. Judge J. Tony will listen to information that will be presented to him in regards to the District 3 City Council seat race between Conklin and his opponent, Ron Pruitt. Both members are of the Republican Party. Conklin and Pruitt vied for the primary nod to be placed on the ballot in the upcoming general election in November. Pruitt beat Conklin by four votes, as I've stated, but before those votes were ever cast, there were questions about whether Ron lived in the district. And now that that has happened and the votes have come in and he beat Conklin, none of that really matters if it was all based on bullcrap. And that's why this is important. Because it sounds stupid. Okay, he lives one block over. What's it really matter? Why go through the trouble? Why cause all this turmoil? Because, folks, what's that old saying? If you give them an inch, they'll take a mile? You know, the Nazis didn't just spring up overnight. There was a slow march to madness. And if you don't stand up for what is right, you will definitely fall because of what is wrong. I have seen citizens of Union City saying that this is going to cause trouble for the city and that they think Coughlin is just a poor loser and that the citizens spoke. Well, first off, it was only decided by four votes. So that means it was a closely contested race. But it doesn't matter. 
it was not closely contested because one of the candidates doesn't fit the criteria to represent that district. If Pruitt wanted to run for District 4, he should have filed in District 4. He could have done that no problem. Now, if Pruitt says there was some kind of issue in the clerk's office and he thinks he's always been in District 3 and he's always voted in District 3 and that's the clerk's office and that's their fault, I feel sorry for him and he might be accurate. We'll have to hear why he thinks he lives in District 3. He clearly does not. And it might not be his fault. The clerk's office may have had him in District 3 all this time, but the fact is, he's not in District 3. So he might be out on the short end of the stick here, and it might not be his bad, but it's still not right. And right is right. So I applaud... Conklin for fighting this battle and for making sure that the rule of law is followed here. Because if you let this go by, then you get into a situation where one day you have people representing you on a council and nobody even lives in the damn city you live in. They all live outside. Or you've got everybody, like in Winchester, you've got everybody representing all five districts, District 1, 2, 3, 4, and the at-large district, but they all live in the golf course, which is in District 3. The reason that's important is the council is supposed to be a representative body representing the folks in their district, and they're supposed to come from that district, and state law dictates that. So if the clerk's office has screwed up and forever and a day told Pruitt that he lives in District 3 and they've given him his voter's registration card from that. That is a horrible, horrible, horrible ordeal. Now, Pruitt can move to District 3 and in four years he can run for District 3 Council. Or in four years he can run for District 4. But as of right now, I don't see how he can be the District 3 City Council nominee going forward in November. I mean, I guess it could come down to him having to buy property in District 3, and that might happen, but at the time of the election, he didn't meet the criteria, and I think that means he is out of luck. And right is right, and Conklin's going to get some shit for this, and they're going to say that he's doing this because he's a sore loser, and that's not true, and I applaud him. And if Conklin wasn't doing this, then another citizen of Union City should, or some other person, or I should, because right is right. Another example of this is a situation that I'm facing with a current candidate in my community in Winchester, a District 4 city councilor candidate, Kevin Carino, who's a Democrat, running for District 4 city council. He filed a campaign finance report. The deadline was April 22nd. The filing period was from January 1st to April 12th. He filed on or before the deadline ended on April 22nd, and he filed it stating he had received $0 and he had paid $0 out. So his form said zero money received and zero money paid out. The problem with this is... He has campaign signs, and he has campaign buttons and campaign materials, and they have the disclaimer on them saying paid for by the candidate. Well, if the candidate's paid for them, then that's money out, and the campaign finance report is wrong. So I filed a complaint so that we could have a hearing and that he could tell us what is going on here because he's running to be the city council member from district four and the city councilor's job is to be a legislator that means they make laws laws that we have to follow so he has to follow the laws now I know that this campaign finance report is not an ordinance and law of the city of Winchester but it's a law of the state of Indiana and if he can't follow those laws, then he shouldn't be able to 
be making and voting on those laws. Also, he's going to be a member as a council member, if he wins, of the fiscal body, and they deal with bills and paperwork. And if he can't do simple campaign finance reports, then he shouldn't be doing the reports and the bills and dealing with bids and ordinances and the paperwork as a council member. But more importantly, right is right. And the campaign finance report that he turned in appears to be wrong. But here's the problem. We didn't have a hearing. The election board decided to let him amend the report. And they amended the report, and they send me a letter stating, everything's fine, there's no problem. I ask for a copy of the report. They send me the amended report. And guess what? It still says zero dollars in and zero dollars out. All he did was fix a clerical error with the date. He had wrote on his original report that the period ended on May 12th, even though that doesn't make sense because the deadline was April 22nd. So they let him fix the May 12th date, and they made him say April 12th, which was right. And that should have been fixed, I agree. But more importantly, where is his fix on the money? Now, I'm hearing rumors that they're saying that they didn't pay for anything and that they're paying for the signs and all of his material later. Well, if that's the case, let's have a hearing and give me that information so I can call and check that out and run that down and make sure that's the truth. Because right now, it's just rumors, and right now, you're still not right. And people may say, but why hassle with it? And I'll tell you again, because if this young man can't handle this simple aspect, how can we be sure that he's going to be able to handle what he needs to as a council member? How do we know that he won't get in there and do things for his friends or for the party that supports him and not do the right things as a council member? This stuff matters, folks. I know it seems small and picky and petty, but if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. It's like sign disclosures. For candidates running, they have to put on their campaign material, their signs, their buttons, their literature, paid for by the committee to elect, or paid for by the candidate, or paid for by this organization. And the reason that you do that is to give people an understanding of Who's supporting you? Where that money's coming from? And people say, oh, because what happens is people get mad. You'll have a candidate who puts out a bunch of signs, puts out 500 signs, and somebody files a complaint because there are no disclaimers. There are no paid-for-by markings on the sign. And then they have a hearing, and they have to go through and take down all those signs and put the paid-for disclaimer on there. And people say, oh, that's so petty. Why would you do that? Because it's right. And this is politics. And right is right. These people are supposed to be governing us, which puts them on a little bit higher of a pedestal. They're supposed to be doing right. And right is right. And if a group of people don't think that that matters, well, then that's on them. But you, as a citizen who's wanting to be engaged and be involved well, then you need to do what you need to do and we need to do what we need to do to better government through citizen involvement. And that's good, right, and just citizen involvement. For example, there's a city councilor in Muncie, Nora Powell, who made a post on a public page today, on her public Nora Powell Muncie City Councilor at Large page. And I made a comment on there, agreeing with her. And because she has some kind of fight because I've been calling her out, I've been making sure what she says is true, just like I would any other official, she deleted my comment. Well, that's against my First Amendment rights. It's a violation of that First Amendment right. An elected official's not supposed to be deleting comments whether they agree or disagree or like the comment or don't like the comment. 
Furthermore, my comment wasn't vulgar, it wasn't threatening, violent, or dumb, or wrong, or bad. It was a good comment. But because it didn't fit her narrative, she deleted it. And the reason is because at one point I supported her, but I reserve the right to change my mind. Nobody's going to agree with everybody 100% of the time. I say this all the time. You're not even going to agree with your husband or your wife 100% of the time. You're not going to agree with me 100% of the time. And I'm not going to agree with you 100% of the time. And if I support a candidate, which I have in the past, I voted for Sean Byram. I helped get him elected to mayor. And then when he took office in Winchester as mayor and started going crazy, doing a bunch of things that were self-serving and against the citizens of Winchester... I spent the last three and a half years, and I'm still spending the next eight months, fighting the corruption. And I'll continue doing that, because that's what's right. And so I supported Nora for her re-election bid in this primary. And then I found things out, and I took some of that back, and I started asking questions. And because I started asking questions, she and some of her supporters... Now, not all of her supporters, because some of her supporters understands that politics is politics and people don't have to like everybody and I don't have to necessarily support her to still be a good person and I don't think that she's a bad person and I don't think that any of her supporters are bad people, but I just have questions and that when an elected official is an elected official, there are citizens who might ask questions and those elected officials aren't always going to like those questions, but it's just politics. But then some of her supporters, some of them, specifically a select group of them, have started getting crappy with me and have started turning kind of shitty and I've lost some friends over it. And then came the rumors that I have been saying bad things about a specific group of her supporters or that I don't like a specific group of her supporters, which is really dumb because I am a former member of the specific group. I did something in my past that put me in the same category as these other supporters of her, and I would never talk badly about them, and it just doesn't make sense. But this is how politics works, and it goes to show you that when you're standing up and doing something right, if somebody else doesn't like it, or it crosses what they believe is right, they will do things and they will say things that go against you to try to stop your momentum and to try to cut you down and make you look like you're not on the right path. So you see what happens here when somebody doesn't like that someone changes their mind and reserves the right to ask questions of elected officials and isn't just a mindless drone supporter then they have to spin a tale about this person and make it a problem. And that's tough to handle. And I'm telling you, it's going to be tough to handle. And not all of you are going to have what it takes to stand up for it. There are a lot of people that I had standing side by side with me in this fight with Winchester that bowed out along the way because it was a long fight. But we were victorious in the end, and we will be because... Light is always shined on the darkness. And what a great disinfectant light is. Give me that spotlight. I will be that spotlight. And here at Perception is Reality, we are that spotlight. I am Christopher H. Bilbury, your host here at Perception is Reality. Thank you for listening today. This has been a very, very important episode episode 008, Right is Right. And please, if you have anything to add about this episode or any of the past shows, please contact us at khbilbury at gmail.com, hit me up on Facebook at Christopher H. Bilbury, or call or text me at 765-546-9796. I would love to talk with you on or off the record or on or off the show. I'll absolutely have you on the show to give your input, 
your state of mind to give your take on something that I've talked about or something that you may feel like is important that I haven't covered. As always, I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbury. This has been another episode of Perception is Reality. You can find the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and more. All of your favorite podcast hosting sites, but it's all under one roof at perception.fireside.fm. Again, that is perception.fireside.fm. And this discussion that I have every Tuesday and Saturday with you only works if we bring more people to the table and you help in sharing this information. And you can do that by simply typing in on your Facebook and other social media pages, perception.fireside.fm. Help me share that link, perception.fireside.fm. When you see me post about it, share those posts because we want to continue to grow the audience and we want to continue to grow the discussion group so we can have more people to engage with and more people that can pass ideas back and forth to really make this a quality level production and a quality show to help preach the mantra of better government through citizen involvement. Until next time, have a safe and happy and healthy holiday weekend. It's Memorial Day, depending on when you listen to this. I hope you've had a wonderful Memorial Day, and I hope that you remember the true reason for the holiday. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, God bless. And for Perception is Reality, I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement. Drama. Drama. Yeah. 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 Yeah.